How do you select the world's most successful spy? You could look for agents who have accomplished great things. Something grand like overturning a defeat into victory, or at least elevating their side into a more advantageous position. And the one with the greatest achievement could or should definitely be the most successful spy. Isn't that the way we evaluate every achievement in life? How can we evaluate a great statesman, a military leader, or even an artist? It's by the importance and scale of his or her work. The bigger, the higher, the stronger. It's always that, right? That way we may rank people like Richard Sorge, the Oxford spies, or even Mata Hari as very successful spies. But some of these great spies were hanged or suffered miserable lives in exile. So perhaps there could be another way of finding out the world's more successful spies if we put their interests in the equation. Looking for people who thrived in this dangerous line of work without wreaking havoc on their own lives. Successful, but not necessarily the greatest. Of course, some of the world's greatest spies worked for the Soviet Union, most notably during the Stalinist era, before, during, and after the Second World War, and into the Cold War. Coming to think of it, most of them weren't even Russian, rather British or German, among many nationalities of course. And indeed, the legendary spy we are going to talk about today did work for the Soviet Union. Not a Soviet citizen, a German actually. And as expected, a committed communist radical. A woman. Though women's involvement in espionage is frequently associated with seduction and lust, and while our hero's career in espionage was rife with sexual encounters, which resulted in two children from two husbands and a third from a lover, her achievements in espionage resulted not from seduction or sexual liaisons with targets, but rather from her skills in persuasion and field operations. The hero of our story today can be considered to be the most successful spy, not only for her achievements, but for her ability to outlive her spy life and to raise a functional family. A very rare feat in the world of espionage. How could she do it? Well, experts believe that it had to do with the loyalty she inspired in the agents she recruited and by the authenticity of her cover. The hero of our story today is Ursula Kaczynski, a spy who could have even prevented World War II from ever happening if her unit were allowed to assassinate Europe's most vicious warmonger at the time. Her story includes many successes, the most epic of which helped the Soviet Union build its first atomic bomb. A testament to her great career would come from none other than Vladimir Putin, Russia's all-too-powerful leader, and someone who of course comes from the same line of work. Ursula Kaczynski, also known as Sonia, her most famous operative name, or Stalin's best female spy, was born in 1907, the second of six children in a wealthy secularized German-Jewish family who lived in a classy Berlin suburb which housed one of the largest private libraries in Germany. Her father was a renowned economist, even at a time, was the president of the Berlin Stock Exchange. Robert Kaczynski flirted with leftist ideas and new prominent leftist thinkers of the day, like Karl Liebknecht and Rosa Luxemburg, the founders of the Communist Party of Germany. He himself wasn't an active socialist, especially in his youth, but his children however would be. His elder son followed him into a great academic career, but was also a serious communist, so was Ursula. 
political unrest in the Weimar Republic which led to the murder of Liebknecht in Luxembourg, as well as rising anti-Semitism, pushed the Kaczynskis further to the left. Ursula joined the German Young Communist League, worked in a bookshop, then in 1926, joined the Communist Party of Germany, KPD. She avidly read communist literature and even kept a Luger gun with her, in keeping with the life of dangerous revolutionaries. During that early period, she came across Rudolf Hamburger, a Jewish architectural student. At the time, he was a progressive, but not yet a communist. That would happen under Ursula's influence when they get married a few years later. Due to revolutionary activities, she had to leave her new job in a publishing firm, then follow Jurgen, her elder brother, to the US in 1928. There, she continued her communist education and got introduced to the world of American communism and literature. She was especially besotted by Daughter of Earth, a novel by Agnes Smedley, a radical American journalist. After a short stay in the US, Ursula returned to Germany. Refusing financial help from her family, she married Rudolf Hamburger, now graduated as an architect. But Rudolf couldn't find a job in Germany easily. That's why in the summer of 1930, he and Ursula, now pregnant, sailed to Shanghai in China, where Rudolf was offered a job to redesign government buildings there. In Shanghai, Ursula gets to meet Agnes Smedley, her favorite author. Smedley at the time was a Soviet spy. She introduced Ursula to the charismatic spymaster, Richard Sorge, a German who ran some of the most influential spy networks in the history of espionage. Ursula immediately fell in love with Sorge and became his lover, one amongst many. In February 1931, a short while after their arrival to Shanghai, Ursula would have her first child. Seeing her with her baby convinced Sorge of recruiting Ursula because having a baby could prove to be the best cover for clandestine activities. And indeed, motherhood would prove a great boon for Ursula's spying career. Sorge gave her the infamous operative name, Sonia. And it's during that period, under the influence of Ursula, or let's say Sonia from now on, that Rudolf Hamburger starts to turn into a committed communist as well. Some believe that his jealousy over her attraction to Richard Sorge was behind this endeavor to impress his increasingly estranged wife. His commitment to communism and the Soviet Union would prove not only futile in reigniting his marital life, but would also have catastrophic consequences on Rudolf's future life. To escape Sorge's stranglehold, Rudolf tried to take his family back to Germany, but owing to their Jewish roots, the Nazis, now in power, were already harassing their families, who had to keep low till they managed to escape Germany. So, the Hamburgers fled to London. But now committed to the service of the Soviet Union and the orders of her handlers, Ursula, or Sonia goes solo to the Soviet Union for six months to be trained properly as a spy. She was instructed to leave her young child behind, fearing that he might learn Russian and therefore blow her cover in future missions. In Moscow, Sonia learned Russian, the Morse code, some combat skills, and most importantly, how to build radio transmitters and bombs. Before leaving Russia, she was promoted to the rank of Red Army Captain and sent to the Manchurian city of Mukden in 1934 to support the Chinese resistance against the Japanese occupation of Manchuria. There, she was partnered with a Lithuanian former sailor, Johan Patra. 
Michael, her young son, served, as Sarge had initially intended, as a perfect cover for a hardworking harmless mother. In Mukden, and according to their cover story, Sonia, as a representative for a Shanghai bookshop, would come across Johan Patra, presumably a representative for a typewriter company. They would fall in love and set up a family in the city. After that part went according to plan, they started making contact with underground Chinese communists, and Sonia started setting up her radio transmitter station to receive instructions from Moscow and to relay their information. But Sonia's stay in Mukden would prove to be increasingly dangerous and nerve-wracking because the Japanese military planes started scanning the skies for illegal radio signals. Had she been caught, she would have been executed immediately. Under that great stress, Sonia lost weight badly. Things got even more perilous when Patra started bringing chemicals to the house to make explosives. Then the situation became untenable when two members of the Chinese resistance, who used to visit their house, were arrested by the Japanese. Orders came from Moscow to leave the city immediately. Sonia, now pregnant from Patra, left him and returned to Britain, where she, for the first time in five years gets united with her parents, who'd managed finally to leave Germany. She also unites with Rudolf Hamburger. Owing to his love for her and for being himself now a committed agent to the Soviet Union, Rudolf agrees to legally father Sonia's baby from Patra. During her brief reunion with Rudolf, the Hamburgers were instructed to go to Warsaw. Their stay in Poland was short, and after Sonia gives birth to a baby girl, Nina, in April 1936, the family moves to Danzig, then an independent city-state, where they communicate with anti-Nazi and anti-fascist saboteurs. But when her radio transmission is detected, Sonia is instructed to escape, solo once again, to Moscow, where she is put on another training course, learning how to derail trains, and where she is awarded the Order of the Red Banner. It was at this very moment in time that Stalin was waging his infamous purge, executing thousands of faithful party members and army generals, including some of Sonia's friends. But she paid no attention, or at least showed none. Understandably, because any display of shock or sympathy, or even curiosity was an invitation to one's persecution. After the cloud of the purge passed, Sonia was sent back to Poland and then to Switzerland, which at the time was swarming with spies from every European nation. There she constructed a new radio station and came in contact with Alexander Foote, an English communist and an RAF deserter. She sends him to Munich in 1938 to start sniffing around. One day, while lunching at the Asteria Bavaria restaurant, there enters none other than Adolf Hitler, the German Führer, the foremost fascist and archenemy of communism. Foote learns that the Nazi leader is a frequent patron of that restaurant, paying visits on an almost regular basis. So, in April 1939 Foote brings along another British communist spy, someone who had fought with him in the Spanish Civil War, a guy called Len Burton. The two of them present Sonia with a plan to assassinate Hitler. She approves their plan and shows them how to construct a bomb. However, to Sonia's and her cell's dismay, before they could execute their plan, Hitler and Stalin signed the Soviet-German non-aggression pact in the summer of 1939. Of course, the assassination was called off. But more crucially, Sonia was preoccupied with her own tight spot. 
Her German passport was about to expire, and she couldn't renew it owing to the Nazi policy of denationalizing Germany's Jewish citizens. So quickly, Sonia annulled her marriage to Rudolf Hamburger on trumped-up infidelity charges. How ironic and cold-hearted of a treatment that Rudolf receives throughout this story. After fathering her illegitimate baby, he's the one being dismissed on infidelity charges. But to give the devil his due, it wasn't expected of Sonia, in the cold calculating world of espionage, not to mention the distressing circumstances on the eve of World War II, to behave like a saint. She annulled her marriage to Rudolf, mainly to marry Len Burton. Though they would share a long-lasting marriage, at that moment in time, what drew Sonia to Burton was his British passport and her need to relocate to Britain, especially after the eruption of World War II. Meanwhile, Rudolf Hamburger was directed by the Soviets to Persia. In Tehran, he's arrested by the Americans and the British and gets deported to Moscow. There, the Soviet intelligence, fearing that he'd been turned by the Americans, sent Rudolf to the gulags for ten harrowing years. Soon after marriage to Burton, Sonia applied for British citizenship. The British counter-espionage unit, the MI5, tried to stop processing her request, based on Sonia's active communist past. But her papers went through, and she was granted British citizenship. In a bizarre twist, her children's longtime nanny, infuriated that she would be left behind, betrayed the newlywed couple's clandestine activities to the Swiss authorities. Before their cover was blown, Sonia and her children escaped via Spain, but Burton who'd fought on the Republican side during the Spanish Civil War, was denied passage. Sonia and her children settled in Oxford, near her parents, who had relocated outside of London to avoid any airstrikes by the Germans. Burton would keep low for a while before finally getting through to Britain in July 1942, with the help of MI6, only after selling out a fellow Chinese spy. A few weeks later, Sonia set on her first meetings with her most important recruit. Klaus Fuchs, a German physicist who was working in the joint American-British project to develop the first atomic bomb. Fuchs via Sonia would provide Moscow with crucial technical information, without which the Soviets could have never developed an atomic bomb on their own. With the Americans and the British turning the tide against the Nazis, Sonia managed to recruit German communists into the British army, who managed to parachute into Germany. Those spies, disguised as American troops, took with them the new secret communication system, the two-way radio, basically, the walkie-talkie, and handed it over to the Russians, who were advancing through Germany at the time. However, with the end of World War II, MI5 started suspecting Sonia's activities. She was interrogated, but without any incriminating evidence, she was let to go. However, in 1950 Fuchs gets arrested. But before he ever confesses anything, Sonia and her children leave Britain immediately. She escapes to Germany and settles in East Berlin. She of course reported to the Soviet intelligence office. The commanding officer tried to brief her on her next mission, but surprisingly, she resigned on the spot. Even more surprisingly, she was allowed to. Perhaps owing to her great services to the Soviet Union during and after the war, she was appointed in a low-profile job, a press officer. But Sonia's story doesn't end here. 
She takes up the name of Ruth Werner and starting in 1956, writes children's books, many of which turn into bestsellers and even earn her a new moniker, East Germany Zenid Blyton. With time, Ursula grew quite disillusioned with international communism. Still, she was quite disheartened by its global decline in the late 80s, especially after the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. To the very end, she'd never express remorse over her services to the Stalinist Soviet Union. Instead, she'd claim in her last interviews that she was unreservedly proud of fighting fascism and helping bring down its fall. She would continue to live mostly a quiet peaceful life till she dies in Berlin in July 2000. Upon her death, none other than Vladimir Putin himself will declare Ursula Kaczynski or Sonia a super agent of the military intelligence.